Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 695 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where, of course, every week we get down to the most important questions like, can a horror movie be set in space? Of course, we're going to no. be talking about that uh, and so much more that my panel not. can't yes, wait to just... We're not, we're not, come on. <laughs> this, was, just, it, this was too much. It was too much yesterday. I couldn't stand it. You know what was worse? People were explaining why a horror movie can be set in space. And I'm like, I know that. I was saying that it was a bad take. Anyway, continue. Uh, of course, this is the show where we talk about the Twitter discourse. If you're not on Twitter, congrats to you. You're living probably a healthier life than we are. Oh, uh, but speak- <laughs> yeah. speaking of we, have uh, brain worms. to me on the show, I'm joined by Brian Altano. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And Lucy O'Brien. I'm back, baby. <laughs> Lucy's back, everyone. Thank you. Thank you all for you. joining us. And Genuinely yes, Lucy, missed you. We're, we're happy to have you Miss back. You guys Thank too. you. Thank you for taking the time this week uh, as you're getting back into the swing of things. Really appreciate it. Uh, and also, I, I know that because of timing, we weren't able to, but also happy belated birthday to you, Brian. Oh, thanks. I, I was about to clap. I thought it was somebody else. <laughs> I'm old and enough, so I, I, it doesn't matter anymore. But moved my desk. So, you know, you we've did. all got stuff going on. Wow. Yeah. Big um, month for us all. Yeah. It's let's, uh, the, that's, uh, it's Chekhov's TNT crate, as it's known. <laughs> Um, of course, beyond all of our uh, in, uh, inane ramblings of whatever's been going on on Twitter, we do have a lot in the world of PlayStation to discuss. Uh, of course, some of the biggest PlayStation releases are a little further ahead in this year. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about things like Returnal and Deathloop and more when they, when they come out. But there's uh, actually a, a decent amount of games coming out now, like the PlayStation Plus lineup that has a brand new game in it, uh, as well as some other stuff that we've been playing that we'll get to. But I did want to talk, of course, about some news that's been going on. And the first thing that I wanted to bring up is MLB The Show, which I think it is fair to say is not a PlayStation exclusive we normally talk about too much in depth on the show. I think it's fair to say we are not the most baseball fanatics on staff. If you if you if you are looking for hardcore baseball fans, Podcast Unlocked, where they can now talk about MLB The Show, in fact, talked about it a lot this week. But I did want to bring it up on the show because uh, we're in an interesting case where this is, of course, a Sony first party developed game that has been announced to be on Xbox this year as well. And then we got the further announcement that it's going to be available day one on Game Pass on Xbox. But as of right now, it is not available or it won't be made available day one on PlayStation Plus as far as we know. That, of course, could change given our track record. We're actually recording the show later than we do uh, previously. Probably Sony will announce it in between when we record and post. But... um this this news came out uh, end of last week, and then we learned, uh, unsurprisingly, that uh, this is a decision by the MLB, not PlayStation, to bring MLB The Show 21 to Game Pass and Xbox, of course. Uh, the, the game is actually being published by the MLB on Xbox, uh, and so I think that allows for some of this wiggle room. Uh, Brian, I know you and uh, McCaffrey did a conversation last week, and obviously there's a lot of talk about it on Unlocked, uh, but I did think it was worth bringing up from the PlayStation side of i i am not surprised playstation didn't make any of these decisions but it does put them in a really strange place i think it's fair mm-hmm. to say um brian i sort of want to get your take on uh especially someone who uses game pass and you know plus and you've dipped into now even as well mm-hmm. your read on this situation because it's a bit of a strange one 
Well, I mean, first of all, no disrespect to Ryan McCaffrey, but I think when baseball fans at IGN want to hear from the experts, they come here to podcast mm-hmm. beyond. This is the this is the place, really. I mean, Lucy, deep history of playing baseball, oh. you know, where you grew up. <laughs> baseball, New Zealand's favorite sport. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest, biggest sports in New Zealand. Uh, Mike Piazza, mm-hmm. he's just world renowned. Yep. Yeah, uh, I, I, mm-hmm. I saw I saw him at a Tower Records once uh, in I believe in the '90s, and uh, he was there with like this beautiful woman. And my brother was like a huge fan of the Mets at the time, and my brother was just like he was like, "You have a big game tomorrow. Stop screwing." <laughs> <laughs> it's very stupid. That's my ba- that's like one of my only baseball stories. Um, yeah, yeah. So this this is this is an interesting one because I think it's like the this is a, this is a big franchise. I don't think it's like you know it's not like madden call of duty levels but this is a big this is a big decision and a big move and i think it's cool to see the love getting shared around a little bit here i i think what um and i said this in our combo with mccaffrey that i think that like what makes this one specific specifically interesting is that it is you're now seeing this massive divide between microsoft saying we're adding a game to our service at no additional cost i i don't want to say free i hate when people say game pass or ps plus is free yeah, it's a pet peeve of mine. totally. It's not free, and I'm sure we've said it on the show. But yeah, yeah I totally no, agree totally. with you. It, I, I, you can probably find a clip of me doing it, you know. And I'm gonna, I'll go back in time and beat up myself if you want. <laughs> um, yeah, versus Sony going, hey, seventy dollars is the MSRP for brand new uh, games coming to our platform. Like, and, and to the point where it's like, if a, if a game is fifty bucks, it's seen as a as a budget price game. Whereas, you know, obviously that wasn't the case a long time ago. Now, game prices probably needed to budge at some point. They've been the same forever. On the flip side, Microsoft obviously doesn't feel that way. And whatever magic and sorcery they're doing behind the scenes to sustain the cost of all this stuff like that and and somehow satiate uh, developers and keep them happy and, you know, paid, uh, Sony is taking a slightly different approach. And I, I think... Asking audiences to pay $70 for games while your competitor is giving them to you for free, air quotes, with no additional cost. See, I did. <laughs> um, I think that's when the conversation gets like really tricky. And I think that um, this won't be a make it or break it scenario for a lot of people who are on the fence on which console to get. But if this becomes a pattern, start to see stuff like this more and more often. Um, I do think you're going to see some head turn, heads turn a little bit. You know, I don't know if it'll define the console wars i still think ps5 will outsell series x this generation but um i i do think there's something here and i think it's it it's 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 a big move yeah and we um of course at the beginning of the month we saw outriders launch day and date on xbox game pass but is full price on playstation if you want to buy it there and of course the the interesting wrinkle is that this is a sony developed game that will be available as you said, at no additional cost on a competitor's platform, which I think will only mean great things for more people being able to play this. You know, like it is a brand new game for the Xbox audience. It's good to get it out there to them. It'll probably lead to more support for it, like especially if they have microtransactions and whatnot in there. It probably only helps people more be inclined to buy that stuff. Uh, And so I think like at the end of the day, more people getting to play Sony San Diego Studios game is good for them because it's going to mean more investment in that game and that pipeline but yeah it does just bring up this very funny like sony's own game costs you 70 more dollars if you are subscribed to both things on both systems if you're on the playstation system versus xbox Mm -hmm. and lucy on your end i was just curious like 
I, I do think this is going to be an exception. I don't think we're going to be seeing more PlayStation games coming to Game Pass probably anytime soon. Um, this is obviously no. <clears throat> the MLB of it all, but I, I'm just curious of your perspective of like, it, for me, it feels like Xbox is really, really trying to forward to think of like streaming or, or not streaming, excuse me, but like subscription services will be the future. Um, yeah, it definitely feels like this generation that, and, you know, I think we've said this kind of from the jump um, that this generation feels very much like they're playing two different ball games. That's a, um, that's a baseball reference. Classic baseball. It was a home uh, game. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, uh, you know, PlayStation kind of put forward uh, sort of a revolutionary hardware to, you know, to sort of, I mean, again, it's not fully realized yet. We haven't really sort of felt that uh, uh, that sort of revolution happen, um, but it's, you know, that's that's where the promise lies in the PlayStation 5. Um, and, of course, like a, a, a standout stable of first-party games, whereas Xbox and Microsoft is very much, uh, you know, value proposition uh, and, and pure pure grunt under the hood. Right. So they're, they're two very different, uh, tacks. Um, I don't think we've really seen this before. I mean, I, Microsoft has always tried to push the envelope. Well, certainly tried to push the envelope last, uh, last generation with, um, with the Xbox one, but then obviously had to pivot because no one liked it. Um, and, and, and this time around, I really think they're kind of coming up, 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 up tops, at least in terms of 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 bang for your buck, uh, and and sort of being a more well rounded machine, more well rounded service. Um, you know, I, I I still I still think that Sony is carving out its own path. I still think we're going to see some of the better games, the best. You know, I, I have so much faith in in Sony's stable of first party studios, but it's kind of hard. It's sort of it's hard to sort of say. At this stage, well, yeah, you can buy it on for seventy dollars on PlayStation, or you can get it at no additional cost on Xbox. Like you're you're talking about, this is seventy dollars is a lot of money, and 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 it's what what Microsoft is doing is really really impressive. Um, you know, I, I sort of feel like PlayStation, while they are carving out their their own sort of path, I, I think there needs to be some kind of acknowledgement or address or like something to kind of counter this because Microsoft is laying down, I mean, especially with the Bethesda acquisition, like we're seeing Microsoft make some really like ballsy moves this generation. And I, I think Sony needs to start thinking outside of just, Hey, we've got a, a more interesting machine. And when we've got the, these great first party games, because like, I, you know, if you're going to be very competitive in the space where people are buying third party titles, um, and deciding which console to play them on, <laughs> there's got to be more. If 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 you've got seventy dollars and zero dollars, there's got to be uh, something more attractive there. So you know, I like I know that's like a basically long winded way to say it's two different business uh, sort of angles. But I, I do think Xbox is is making a really good argument right now for for the for the X and the S. Right. Which I I think is what's really cool about all that is that um and we always say this like as as consumers, we win. If you look at like the last week or so, we've gotten, uh, you know, Outriders came to Game Pass day one. Um, Oddworld came to PlayStation Plus day one. Um, the Avengers is coming to PS 
uh, PS Now, the PS4 version. Like these are these are these are big games, you know. Like mm-hmm. maybe you're over the Avengers, maybe you don't really care about Oddworld, but these 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 are games that would have cost 60, 70 bucks um, that are now just being added at no additional cost to pre-existing subscription services. If you look at the the way these consoles launched, it's completely different than they launched you know, uh, against each other years ago. Because right off the bat, Microsoft right. shot themselves in the foot and never, never, ever caught up. Um, this time around, Microsoft had a, a just flat out abysmal uh, launch in terms of like ex- exclusive first party stuff or really anything that was that that defined what that system was supposed to be or what it could do. Um, I, I felt that the messaging was backwards and, you know, play it anywhere, play on your PC. We don't care. Like, I was like, do you want me to buy your machine or not? Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Whereas PlayStation was like, okay, we're, we've got these beefed up versions of current gen games. Um, and we've got a couple of exclusives here and there. And we've got, you know, Astro and he's, he rumbles when you run and <laughs> quietly my favorite launch game. Um, but once we got that week or two or the month or two or a couple of months out of the way, the things kind of settled and tapered off a little bit. And now we're in this kind of like little, every single day is like a little war. And I love it. Like it's it's really really nice. Yeah. Like it feels like every few days, one or the other makes a small little announcement. And these are the th- the things that define a generation and sustain what people are playing between the big tentpole games and the big first party AAA exclusives and stuff like that. Which admittedly, we you know we're getting Returnal this month, but uh, outside of that, we really haven't had a ton of first party exclusive stuff on PS5 since launch. And so, you know, I, I feel like in in the interim, Microsoft is coming in every day and going, hey, we got this, hey, we got this, hey, we got this. Like they're they're really loud on social media, which obviously isn't the whole world, but like this this is the kind of stuff that you do to play between the, you know, the horizons and the God of Wars. And if this is a big game that was a Sony game and it's 70 bucks there and it's no additional costs on Game Pass. Like you're starting to really build the argument that you should be a multi-platform owner. Like honestly, um, and if that's not something you can afford, I totally understand that. You know, just don't be toxic to the team that you're not cheering for. But like this, I, I think it like it feels really nice to have a bunch of platforms going, kind of running on all cylinders at the same time right now. Yeah, it is a really interesting position. I think you sort of mentioning like it is, of course, worth noting. Like, yes, it is not the be all end all of who's you know the loudest on social media each day but i feel like xbox has tended to be the louder one on most days <laughs> I, like the, the, uh they've they've definitely tended to have i think more of the conversation going and you know a few weeks ago maybe it was a few weeks ago who knows at this point but when the bethesda acquisition happened um i i still totally stand by when i said and i think we all were kind of on the same page that like playstation doesn't need to make it any sort of immediate response move they don't need to go buy 12 studios because this is this is xbox catching up to sony's first party stable but Mm -hmm. right now what we have going on is this very interesting push and pull of who's taking the sort of the day-to-day mind share and yes it is as you were saying it's not the the call of duties of the world or the last of us of the world but telling people hey you can get outriders on day one hey you can get mlb the the show on on day one or hey you can get out uh odd world i keep wanting to say out worlds because there are too many outs in in game titles now um on on day one with playstation plus we're seeing this back and forth and and i think because of the nature of game pass they just can say more each day whereas playstation plus right now is and playstation now it's a monthly drop and so mm-hmm. it is definitely worth mentioning i think since like the ps5's launch i think almost every month there has been a new game available on playstation plus per month which 
tended not awesome. to yeah it usually was not the case we've gotten stuff like bug snacks maquette uh odd world as you said is out this week um it, it's definitely been it, you know there there is no maybe anything at like an outriders level of like a major third party thing unless i'm blanking but there's still been a lot of support and it's cool to see that and i think they have to keep that momentum going um yeah but a year or two down the line, I'm just very curious to see what this back and forth of these services looks like. Because I, I do think right now, like going into the next few months in terms of like Xbox games, they're first party stable. We're still waiting on Halo. That is pretty much where we're going. But we do, as you, as you were saying, Brian, we have Returnal this month. We have Deathloop as a PlayStation exclusive uh, at launch next month. We have Ratchet in June. And then we know of a few other things coming later in the year. So like we, we can see the more immediate roadmap for PlayStation. But it's, mm-hmm. it's very clear Xbox is playing a long game. And I'm I'm curious to see eventually when those two things really come to a head, what it's going to mean for both of them. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's worth it's worth mentioning and everyone knows this, but the, both of these companies are selling literally every single console that they can make every single one. And so yeah. eventually you would have to imagine that that's going to slow down. Right. That's going to eventually mm-hmm. the, we'll live in a world where you can walk into a store and see a PS5 on a shelf. I, I hypothetically, right? it doesn't feel <laughs> it doesn't feel like a real thing that'll actually happen. But that's that's when I'm wondering, like, what is this, you know, console war uh, race? You know, what, what are the numbers going to look like at that point? Like, who's who's going to be winning? Who's going to be dominating? Um, I think that like what's happening right now is really interesting. If you look at the 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 push um, for digital over physical, um, not necessarily the push, but the, I, I would say the audience trend happened specifically during the pandemic last year. It was a trend we saw increasing, increasing over and over the years. And last year was the first year that digital sales overtook physical sales for obviously a number of reasons. People didn't really feel like going to the store. They wanted to stay home, convenience, yada, yada. But I I do think that like these subscription services are not only here to stay, but their value proposition is getting better and better with the reality that I think more and more customers are getting comfortable with having treating their uh, their libraries as something they can access digitally and not just physically. Um, most games are released digitally. Like that's just the reality. There's hundreds of games released every single day. Most of them don't get boxed copies. Um, and so, uh, you, you know, we've, we've talked in the past about game preservation and all that and Sony setting, shutting down their stores. I, I think like, obviously it's, it's, it's up to them to, to figure out a way to, to maintain access to those things down the line. But in the meantime, if someone goes, hey, Outriders is on your Xbox, right now Oddworld is on your ps5 um i'm inclined to get those games and start them immediately as as i've been doing all week like i think that's great and i think those i think those services are going to become more and more important as as that trend moves more and more closer to an all digital future or a mostly digital future Absolutely. And um, speaking of that, uh, as you had mentioned, we were talking about uh, definitely a bit about game preservation a few weeks ago with the confirmation of the PS3, Vita and PSP stores uh, completely closing later this year. Uh, I did just want to quickly highlight quickly highlight, excuse me, that Matt Kim on our news team put up a report about how some PlayStation Vita developers uh, weren't properly warned that the PSN store would close down. And essentially some uh, Vita games are either having to be rushed to be able to hit the date to still show up on the store so people can buy them uh, before the stores are closed or are having to cancel games quite possibly. And so mm-hmm. uh, definitely go check out that report uh, if you haven't seen it already. But Matt spoke to a few devs uh, about what's going on. And essentially, there are some earlier dates uh, that we were able to verify of an email that was sent to developers. 
that uh, the last day to submit games to the PlayStation Vita store is July 12th, and the final day to release games on the store is July 20th. Uh, the final date to submit a game to Sony's global quality assurance is July 6th, though Sony says it can't guarantee slots for review. So basically anyone who was making a Vita game, and there are still developers making some Vita games, even though, you know, obviously the the focus of its lifespan has has dwindled for sure. People were still making games for it, and people still really love their Vitas, myself mm-hmm. included. Um, and it, it's this frustrating thing to see that, you know, devs weren't properly warned, I think is the, the most disappointing part of it. Um, going back to that game preservation talk that Brian, I know you were part of, and Lucy, I know you were out for. But um, it's just this, it's this thing that I like day by day, I keep going, I have a PS3 in my closet, I have my Vita in a drawer, do I need to go spend $300 to go buy a bunch of these digital games? And also, will it matter? Because the digital games may not be able to, like, my Vita battery may die and I may not be able to find a replacement that doesn't cost $500, you know, three years from now. Like, Mm -hmm. there are so many caveats and questions, and it's it's just such a bummer to think about it. Like, I I go through it each day of, I've been platinuming Ratchet & Clank on PS4, and I was like, I want to go back and play some of the old ratchet clanks the only way to do that is to go pull out my ps3 or to subscribe to playstation now which does have a bunch of them but it is of course dependent on whatever they put on that subscription service at the time Um, yeah yeah go ahead no i I, I was gonna say i I, i've been talking about this a lot on on social media you know for lack of my better judgment but i i think that like a, a lot of people have been saying um well, just hold on to your old systems. And I think that that's a solution for old people like us. But um, the thing I worry about, and maybe this is an imagined scenario that doesn't actually exist, is a 10-year-old kid gets a PS5. It's his first video game system. He plays Ratchet & Clank, adores it, and goes, oh, they made more of these? I want to go back and play a bunch of them. And then can only access a select few of them rather than all of them. And to, to me, that's the kind of thing that's like, if you look at Silent Hill and Metal Gear, and obviously both of those fall under the same evil umbrella. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, th- those, those are some of the most iconic video game franchises of all time that are next to impossible to access uh, easily across most platforms, you know, like, you can stream yeah. them some in some ways on PS Now. It was that Silent Hill collection that was like really shoddy. That's like you know really hard to find. Doesn't run on modern consoles and stuff like that. There's that's that's the kind of stuff that I worry about. Is sort of you have these iconic, legendary, important franchises to, that are just integral to uh, the, the sort of like the pillars of this medium that 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 we all love so much, and people can't access them. Um, and mm. I don't, I don't think that like finding a dirty PS3 on Facebook marketplace and rolling the dice and hoping it's not full of like weed and cockroaches, maybe you want those things, um, is not the solution for most consumers. I, I think that most consumers want, uh, ease of use. They want the, the ability to be able to push a button on their controller, turn on their TV and just start playing metal gear. And, um, they, they, they can't in a lot of ways. So I, that's the kind of stuff that I hope. Uh, gets maintained and, and and streamlined in the future. The Vita thing is interesting because I think a lot of people balked at that too. They're like, why are you still making a Vita game? Um, Sony was still sending out dev kits. That's why they were making Vita games. Because yeah. if you ac- if you wanted a dev kit to make a game, you could do that. You know, and there are people still making SNES games and Genesis games and stuff like that. They're you know they're basically bootlegs at this point. But like, <laughs> there's you know there's always there's always a market for those things. 
Yeah. And it's, um, it's a weird position to be in right now. As you were saying, I was thinking about like, I I do eventually want to play the Metal Gear Solid games because I've never played them. The only place to play, and I know it's not necessarily the most beloved with time, but the only place to play four is on a PS3. And if you don't have that, oh, my light just flicked off. It's very unhappy with me talking about this. Oh, it's, it's coming back. This is great. Um, for the audio listeners, nothing, it don't, it, nothing important happened. Um, nothing happened. Don't worry. It's, um, I just, he didn't, maybe, he'd actually, he didn't say which light it could be like it's, his internal. True. There may be a ghost. I don't know. Um, but anyway, it, it's just one of those weird things where it's like, okay, I think I can buy metal gear solid one on PC, or I guess right. I could use a PlayStation classic and then two mm-hmm. and three, it might actually be better to play them on Xbox backward compatibility and then find a PS3 to play. It's just the, it, it, this weird case of things. And it's the same with like Ratchet and Clank. I can play some on PS now or my PS3. Um, it's it, we're just in this spotty place and I wish there was a solution for it. I mean, um, me too. It's so sad. And it's such a, like a sort of a culmination of factors, you know, it's, it's, and it happened so kind of fast, you know, I played all the PlayStation classics cause I had, I've had every PlayStation system since they began. Um, you know, so I, I grew up with Metal Gear Solid and, and, and all that sort of stuff, and it didn't even cross my mind that you wouldn't be able to go back and play play those games. Mm-hmm. And, like, of course, because we've moved, not only have we moved uh, generations of systems, but we've moved from a primarily physical-based uh, sort of economy to a digital one, and that presents a whole slew of brand new problems, you know, and it's just, it, it, it's so much more, because if you try and compare it to film, because I know obviously there are film historians and, and people trying to preserve the, you know, the originals and the, and the, and, and, and records as well. Like there are, each medium has its own sort of issues to face, but I can't think of one <laughs> that is as complicated yeah. and, and, comp- and complex as, as preserving games totally. and being able to actually play old games. There are so many like spanners in the works to access those, um, which is really sad. And it's, you know, I feel like it's only a conversation. I know that there have been game historians working on this stuff for years and years and shout out to, to them, um, you know, the Frank Safoldis of the world. Um, but it's only something that's really kind of come to my attention in the last, you know, in the last several years, because I guess, as I said, it happened so fast. Right. And, 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 and there are people like you, Dorna, who are saying, I never played Metal Gear and I don't know how to really. And the, the only way to do it is through this ridiculously convoluted series of hoops. And um, there's people, it sucks. There's, there are fans doing this, right? There are fans right. preserving, uh, they're, they're, building the, they're, they're building the architecture to you know, effectively convince their PCs that they're playstations which is amazing and i love that i love them for that mm-hmm. and you know obviously that that is one method you can you know head into the dark waters of piracy if you want like but I, I, in terms of like legal means for the average consumer it's definitely kind of tricky i i genuinely think that the big roadblock in the history of of of, of playstation is is the cell architecture of the ps3 that feels like that yeah. was the, the thing that came in that's that that Suez Canal boat or whatever. Like it was exactly the Suez got, Canal boat. Yeah, it just got stuck. And yeah. like, if you look at, you know, the the PS2 played PS1 games, the PS3 had uh, the 60 gigabyte launch SKU that was like sunsetted rather quickly that was backwards compatible, but development was notoriously a nightmare for the PS3. And then if you look at the PS4 and the PS5, 
those communicate really well. You know, like the backwards mm-hmm. compatibility from PS4 to PS5 uh, is great. Like you can you can play all your PS4 games or 99% of them on PS5, no problem. It's great. The PS3 is really that thing that just came in and just just it just broke everything. Yeah, it's, that's mm-hmm. and they I feel like they just handcuffed so much of their tech to it too. Like the fact that we the the changing your PSN name thing became like a meme for like the longest time because it they built it on that like <laughs> weird giant boat oh yeah, yeah. Stuck. <laughs> i like it, i'm sure they will never officially say but like it, it can't help but feel like so many of the things that took playstation a decade to make happen like changing your psn names or some of the other uh playstation network changes that we've seen even stuff like crossplay and things like that it feels like so much of it was tied to decisions made back then yeah have to have mm-hmm. either been untangled or just completely reworked and so like I could maybe understand on a corporate level, again, we, we talked about this, I can very much see businessmen in a room or in a Zoom saying like, oh, it will cost this much money to you know salvage everything from that generation. We would expect this many people to buy that stuff and it just doesn't equate. And I get that, but it, it's like, it's such a larger thing to think about too, because yeah, it is like I, there are pieces of PlayStation history we just can't easily access or show to newer generations and yes Mm -hmm. not everyone is going to want to play the oldest gran turismo sure but like ratchet and clank rift apart technically i think like as far as we know is a sequel to into the nexus which was on the ps3 and can only be played on there or ps now and it's this strange sort of like well okay if people really want to dive into that franchise's history there's a few specific things they have to do to get to it and they can't necessarily own a copy themselves anymore Mm-hmm. Um, and and also it's imp- I, I you know I, I'm turning into one of those like old ladies who is really kind of insistent well not insistent but would really like the you know the younger generations uh, to to be uh, to have a degree of fluency in in what has come before and and to understand um, what helped build the, the the blocks to the games that we play today. You know, like like for me, I think I sort of see Metal Gear Solid as like kind of like an important. Oh god, I sound like such a wanker, but it's kind of like an important, <laughs> an important game to play. Like it's an important text, and you know, if I eventually am in charge of a, a child, uh, I, <laughs> I like the way you phrase that. <laughs> Are you describing parenting? <laughs> I am. In, I'm describing parenting. I don't know why I needed to say it like that. Um, if I am ever a legal guardian of a human being, um, I, you know, I would want them and they, they, they show a passion for video games. I would want them to play all those games. Just like my dad showed me all, you know, the classic horror movies when I was a kid and showed an interest in those. And, and like, it's just learning where the games came from and having an appreciation of the medium. Right. Yeah, totally. totally. And, and it's, yeah, it's one of those things where it feels like, uh, you know, going back to Brian's mention of the cell, it, it feels like they're handcuffed to decisions from the past. And I can understand how tough those things are. But I, I wish we were seeing some hint of a solution to it, because it does feel like one of those things where it's quite possibly the... Uh, it, as long as PlayStation now exists, maybe that's the only way you can play, you know, infamous one and two, but for a franchise, if you want to see the evolution of sucker punch, you can either do that or hopefully find a PS3 or things like that. And uh, Lucy, as you were saying, like for people who want to play the metal gear solid franchise, you have to go through all these weird steps or hope Konami puts them on PC. We're just in this, this weird in-between state. And I think, I think it 
hurts more when we see the Xbox focus on backward compatibility that granted has been a, you know, nearly decade long focus for them. Like since Phil Spencer announced it in 2015, I think like that has clearly been a a benchmark of what they've been doing. Mm -hmm. Nintendo decides to do it sometimes and then not the other time when we all want them to do it. But it's, this is, I feel like really one of the first crucial points where PlayStation has to make this decision. And we're going to see the ramifications of that in the years to come. Yeah, and I was going to say real quick, if if you're wondering why people like us are always saying we wish PlayStation did this thing that Xbox is doing in terms of backwards compatibility, it's because old PlayStation games are better. <laughs> they're, they're so much better. They're so much better. <laughs> I, I, see, I, I see these stats getting thrown around all the time where people were like, well, if you look at the number of people who played Xbox 360 games on Xbox One, it wasn't a lot. So obviously, backwards compatibility is dead. And it's like, okay, well, you first of all, you took a incredibly small audience from a console that never actually released sales data, and you asked them to play a bunch of games from an era that wasn't even like the best era. Like, right. <laughs> If, if give me this is what i'm saying if you put the metal gear solid collection on ps5 tomorrow you'd sell a million copies mm-hmm. super mario 64 <laughs> and friends sold like 10 million units on switch there is an audience for this stuff like it can sell you can make it this is not just a like a funny thing we're asking for you make money doing this you make a lot of money putting these old ass games on new consoles like <laughs> just do it yep yeah, it's a it's a bummer not to have a solution to that, especially when we're getting new entries in series. And and I'd love for there to be an easily accessible way to be like, oh, well, you want to see more? It's all on PS5 right now, and you can go download those old games, but you mm-hmm. just can't do that right now. It's it's a bummer. Um, hope, hopefully, we'll see some sort of solution. But in the meantime, uh, if you have access to a PS3 or a Vita, go buy some of the games you want to make sure you can have at least a copy of while those consoles still work for you because i probably am going to do the same in the coming weeks um other than that though uh just on the news front did want to of course mention since we've uh definitely talked about e3 at at length on the show before um e3 is officially coming back this year uh they've announced that they are uh, returning as an all digital show uh which will be free there was some discussion on twitter about whether or not people would pay to go to e3 uh or not via a digital version of it um and uh a whole bunch of people are announced for it, like Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, maybe Metal Gear, uh, Ubisoft, Take Two Interactive, Warner Brothers. Uh, is it? Is it? I want to say Koch, but is it? Is it Kosh? It's is Coke. It, Coke. It's, Media. it's Coke. Okay. Yeah, which is not like the Coke Brothers. You know, I don't like. I don't like any of it. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah I'm not. Bad, I'm bad. not a fan of them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But uh, anyway, so the, 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 all of those companies are confirmed to be there. Obviously, we won't know what the show will look like until we get a little closer. Uh, it's taking place from June 12th to 15th. But of course, pretty noticeably on the list uh, of those not attending, uh, which also includes companies like uh, EA, which will probably be doing its own EA Play, Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco, and a few others. Of course, Sony is not on there. Um, and I, I wanted to bring this up and basically ask, are either of you surprised by that? Because I, I'm no. not. Not at all. No. So definitively unsurprised. Yeah. yeah. It, I'm actually um, more, I'm more surprised that anybody, uh, the other people showed up. <laughs> I really. I, yeah. You I know. mean, I mean, to be honest, same. Like it's, it's, you know, Sony's been absent from E3 for a while. Um, I don't really understand. I, there's no kind of real incentive for, for, for it to appear at a digital E3, um, especially as it's got its own kind of, um, 
marketing PR beat now that is extremely digital. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm also surprised that, yeah, that other people turned up to the table. I do understand the argument that, uh, you know, last year there were a lot of other digital events that were kind of muddied the waters a little bit and made everyone have to pay attention to a billion things. Um, but ultimately I don't really see that super changing, even with this E3, like we've still got Jeff Keighley's, you know, summer fest or whatever it's called. And, you know, we've, we've got our own stuff going on and there's, a, there's still going to, there's still going to be a lot happening around mm. this period of time. I, I don't think E3 is going to just come in and make everything into one single E3 anymore and you know it was already splintering out before the pandemic and and I I don't see that changing so you know I I love the idea that it's just going to be like only E3 again but no it's not (laughs) yeah we we can't ignore the last year and how much everything split out from that and yeah as you were saying Mm -hmm. it doesn't surprise me an station won't be there they the PS5 event, I remember when we were watching the reveal in June, and obviously they won't be revealing as any as big as a new console this year, but they'll have plenty of big games to show. Uh, but that was hitting over a million concurrence on Twitch at one point, uh, Twitter, one of or YouTube, one of the streams was that high, and so they're probably pretty okay if they just want to do things themselves, especially for a digital focused event. Um, yeah, everyone it, is. Yeah. Like every, that's why this is so surprising yeah. to me. Everyone is yeah. like, this feels like when your friend is dating someone and they break up and you talk so much shit about them together and then they get back together and then you're like, Oh, um, well, I'm really happy for you. Sorry. I said <laughs> all that stuff yeah. last year. That's what it feels yeah, like right now. Cause all, so we spent all of last head. year being like, who needs E3? Do we even yeah. need E3? And I remember being like, I miss E3. I love E3. I I'm still excited for E3, but also who needs it? Like there's no justifiable reason to attach yourself to this this thing, this these two shapes that have been existing yep. for decades to get your messaging out because everyone proved last year there was no E3 and we had one of the biggest years in video game history. Um, Sony crushed it. You know, they debuted new consoles and, and Microsoft had their own presentations. Nintendo had presentations. Everyone had presentations. And none of them, it, they were all sprawled across this like summer shaped thing um, and then even beyond that into the fall, but no one was really like, you know, oh man, how are we going to get our announcement out without like the ESA telling us it's okay to do that? Like, it's bizarre to me, but I'm happy it's back either way. Cause it's, it's, I, I like having all of this stuff condensed into a few day window or most of it. I definitely recognize that there's going to be tons of events that are way outside of this three day window from June 12th to June 15th. But I, it's 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 cool it's it's cool like it's also we don't have to you know like it's I, I think the actual physical building of e3 uh is 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 probably the part that was dying the hardest over the yeah. last few years like the actual shared space of a place where people could come and uh, i don't know st- hear noises <laughs> like <laughs> It's going to be hard to convince all of those people. Like, obviously, we don't know what they're they're charging people to be part of this, but it's probably going to be very hard to convince those companies to rent out that L.A. Convention Center booth space again when they can probably get just as much of a, a return on digital events and going to smaller things like PAX. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Instead of because the, the, those were not cheap things to be a part of, as like leaked documents have shown. Uh, it, it, it it was an expensive thing to be part of E3, and uh, especially when you see companies like Microsoft owns the theater next door now to the convention center. So if they want to do something, they can just yeah. put it in their own space. 
No, E3 I, ironically I was it was one of the only time that uh, like AAA publishers got microtransactioned. E3 <laughs> right. would be like, oh, you want a rug in your booth? Uh, that'll be seventy five thousand dollars. Like that, they, they were buying horse armor left and right in that motherfucker. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I have a, I have a question. Like I, I to be honest, I didn't pay too much attention to this announcement. Um, aside from E three is back, and that was kind of like, oh. um. What, I mean, have they sort of addressed, like, because uh, obviously a big part of E3 is not just the news side. It's also, like, giving people the opportunity to go hands-on with upcoming games. Mm-hmm. Um, is that being, is that was that part of, like, the press release? Like, was there kind of, because I'm curious as to how that is going to work if you need some kind of a buy-in i i have the, the release uh, open right here and it officially says after they name everyone who will be a part of it it says developers will be showcasing their latest news and games directly to fans around the world the esa will be working with media partners globally to help amplify and make this content available to everyone for free um but it doesn't say anything about what will be on hand for people i know i know there was some discussion and some reporting on Potentially there being, you know, like virtual demos for press going on. I think something like uh, Keeley's Summer Games Fest and the Game Awards, like they tend to do, here's a bunch of, like in partnership, here's a bunch of game demos on Steam. Like I could potentially see something like that. But as of right now, we really don't have an idea of what the show is going to look like for people watching from home because this does also completely break down those walls like lucy as you're asking it's making me think there's no reason that like if there's a demo they can offer to a hundred of us via streaming can they not offer it to you know five hundred thousand people on steam and get all right. of that fe- like as a, as a developer probably they would want as much feedback as possible as a as a demo you know there are certain cases where they won't and things will be hands-off and whatnot mm-hmm. but like if you're confident in a thing, I don't see why you would limit it just to press at that point. I mean, you know, again, that's the way that it's all been going anyway, right? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, as soon as 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 E3 started opening its doors to um, to uh, the public, and you know, obviously the the YouTube and Twitch ecosystem has has broadened everything out. Um, I, I it makes no sense to. Uh, to give press the sole exclusive on on these things anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as it was fun to like be like, oh well, I was one of three people to have played that. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, in, in the past, it was always kind of broken down. Like there was that thing, Judges Week, which you know was like a week mm-hmm. or two before E3, where you would basically get it was like a week long. You you all know. I'm just explaining to the audience. Uh, it was a week long right, preview right. event yeah. uh, where you know press would basically. Uh, get together and then play a bunch of different games that would be revealed or announced at E3 that would then be mm. playable on the show floor. Sometimes there was also um, show floor demos that the de- general public in the last few years could access if they stood in line for long hours. But then there was also like those weird behind behind closed, closed doors. doors demos mm-hmm. where like someone either you'd be playing it or a dev would be playing it in front of you. But for it to be eligible for like an IGN award, we'd have to, someone would have to actually be interact. It could, you couldn't just be like game of the year, Metroid prime four logo, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, last year we, you know, we all use this thing called Parsec, which was awesome. And I think a lot of, a lot of like the general audience knows about it too. Um, it's basically, you know, cloud gaming um, or 
or upcoming games or, or for any game really. And I, I played a bunch of like pre-release Ubisoft stuff through preview events at, uh, through that. And it worked amazingly. Like it is, mm. it is phenomenal. It is, you don't need, they, they are able to basically play, play the, like broadcast the game to you playable at a level that is better than, you know, your PC will probably be able to handle it, which is super, super cool. It's, it's a lot of, you know, what Stadia has been attempting to do uh, and xCloud and such. Um, I would love to see that available to the general public. If not, then, you know, make a PS5 demo that, you know, self-destructs at the end of E3. <laughs> like make a make a virtual, you know, show floor where you can open up an app on your PS5 and there's a bunch of different kiosks you can turn turn into. And, and I think I said this last year too. Like just make a like a make like a, a first person E3 show floor and let people walk up to booths and access demos and stuff like that. Um, and if they have to go away after a few days because you don't want the entire internet blowing your, you know, demo to smithereens and pulling out every single part of it, like, obviously there's, you know, that when you put a, a show floor demo out for, for E3, that limits the amount of people that can play it and write about it and the amount of bad variables that can pop up. Whereas if you just yeah. put that thing on the internet, you know, people are going to be digging through the source code and be like, I found Sephiroth. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, true, true, true. Um, there's obviously, you'll have to find a solution between those things. But I really, really, really hope they make demos available to the general public. I really, really yeah. hope that's a thing this year. Yeah. Because um, you deserve it. I, I mean, that's that's one of my favorite. I, I'm always a big proponent of more demos because I think they can be like such exciting experiences for someone who, especially for consumers who can maybe only buy a couple games a year. Uh, you can really find something you love by getting to play 20 minutes of it versus just seeing a bunch of very hype cut trailers put out mm -hmm. for you. Um, yeah, I'd love to see a bunch of like mood pieces drop, like the Resident Evil Village demo. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. That was that, so That's a great idea. Just letting people mm -hmm. kind of like putz around the environment and put you yeah. know, the Lion Key in the door and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that way, that kind of is, it like, it, you know, avoids that whole like digging around in the source code. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's something that I think there's a lot of exciting potential for it. We'll obviously have to see how this show exists this year and then what it looks like in years to come. But I, I definitely think just to bring it back to Sony, I am sure we'll still get some presentations from them. I know it brings up the question of like, where will the PlayStation be in all this? They'll put out a state of play when they want to. There's <clears throat> enough big games in the next three months for them to focus on that. I think we're going to get probably some individual focus state of plays and things, uh, probably on death loop and ratchet and whatnot. Uh, and then of course there's the big questions of stuff like horizon and God of war, which is still slated for this year. Um, for now. Uh, but it, it's one of those things where they have plenty to talk about, but I think pretty, pretty clearly Sony's going to talk about it when they want to. Um, so we'll just have to wait for that. Uh, but in the meantime, there, there is plenty to talk about uh, in terms of games we've been playing. And Lucy, I did want to start with you because I know you've been playing a game that I've only been able to play a little bit of, but I know that you've been loving Disco Elysium. Yes. Um, so I was waiting to play Disco Elysium on console just because I'm, I air towards console, uh, as opposed to PC. Um, and obviously I was stoked that it was on the PS5. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've been I've been loving it with caveats. Uh, I think clearly the the bones and the story and it's 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 a great game. All there, the the the, the game is the fundamentals are, are, are fantastic. I think the story, the writing so far um, has been remarkable, like really remarkable. Like the, this is the kind of uh, it's. 
I've not been skipping through things. Uh, everything I've wanted to to read, and there's a lot. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of text. There's a lot of dialogue. Like every character that you talk to um, has a lot to say, and obviously there are a lot of uh, branching dialogue options and and all that sort of thing. And every character is really unique and memorable. The town itself is just so real and cohesive and European in a really depressing way. Um, it, it's 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 stunning. Like it's stunning. And it's, it's, it's constantly just, I've wanted to just be in this world, um, and, and, and sort of get lost in it. Um, I will say that it is a little clunky on, on the PlayStation. Uh, I found that, um, like the, the, the UI is, 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 is clunky. Um, movement is clunky. It feels very much like a PC game. That's kind of just been awkwardly ported to the PlayStation. Um, movement is like, instead of just naturally walking up a staircase, you kind of have to click on the staircase, which will take your character back to a certain spot. And then he moves from that certain spot up the stairs. You know, it's sort of like that kind of movement, which is very, um, which can be really, really awkward. Um, and so, so there are just parts of it I feel like ha that hasn't been completely optimized for a controller, um, which is a little disappointing. Uh, but ultimately, it's still a really, really fantastic game. Uh, I just wanted to give you know anyone who was thinking of of, of, of buying it um, maybe just a little heads up because I imagine that this will get patched. Um, obviously, uh, the devs are very. Uh, invested in improvements and 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 sort of life improvements of this game hence the fact that we've got like you know full dialogue now instead of just text um and 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 that sort of thing but yeah it's 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 a great game it's just a little awkward <laughs> i think that that is that is how i would like to to sort of end in my verdict of it on on playstation 5 um but you know again if you're interested in something really kind of thoughtful and depressing and funny and, and bizarre and not bizarre in an irritating contrived way, like just genuinely different. Um, please check it out. It's, it's, I'm loving it. Yeah. yeah I, I've maybe only played an hour or two and I definitely ran into some of the same clunkiness uh, that you were referring to. Um, luckily, I, I will say apparently uh, a patch for it is going out today as we're recording. Um, oh, nice. That will fix that will fix things like interacting in certain locations not working, uh, items loading weirdly, uh, smoother controller and interaction experience, uh, VO issues, uh, and that there will be another patching coming. But apparently, the team like really rushed to get this patch together. So, <clears throat> thank you to those devs for doing that because yeah, I, I I agree with you in terms of I think the core of what that game is is so clearly brilliant, but there was just some interface things that were holding it back a little bit. So hopefully this addresses some of those issues. It probably is something that will be in the end better with keyboard and mouse, no matter what, but um, it is, there's clearly something so fascinating about this world that I can't wait to get back to. I, I absolutely um, can't wait to discover more of it. It's just so clever and smart. I love it. Um, but in addition to that, Brian, have you been playing anything uh, that you yeah, I, I played the first few hours of uh, Oddworld, and I believe it's my first time playing one of those games in a very long time. So I am not up to speed on the lore or why the <laughs> weird men are so muscular. Um, what was the I last one? Was it Stranger's, yeah. Str Stranger's yeah. Wrath was the last one, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Back on 
the original so, Xbox. So there was technically New and Tasty in 2014, which was a remake oh, of one. Right. But yeah, I, I believe right. before that. Because you know, I, I, I started it last night too and then went on a deep dive of like, what the hell is this franchise? Because mm-hmm. I do not know it at all. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like definitely one of my blind spots. And it's it is a big franchise. Like it's been around for a very long time and, you know, people really enjoy it. But this this is just something I don't have a lot of experience with. Um, I will say on PS5, it's super fun. Like it's it's gross and weird, but I, I wasn't really expecting it to be sort of like a such a smart, fun, innovative platforming game. Like I, yeah. I, I think I, I just thought this was a slightly different genre but it's 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 yeah it's it's like a fun action game like the like double jumping feels great the environments are awesome it's got reminds me a lot of like the 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 last two donkey kong country returns games Mm. um tropical freeze and the other one um in in terms of like you are bum rushing through this environment that is constantly destructing and exploding and collapsing and deteriorating. Um, and there isn't really a lot of like turning back and all that, you know, it's, it's very Rube Goldberg. You just kind of run down the line. Um, but I really dig it. I'm not, I'm not big on like the throwing mechanic. There's like this thing where you basically craft bottles and collect things and, and then throw them to put out fires. I've, I've hated that. That's just a pet peeve. I've hated that since like Yoshi's Island. I just don't like, (laughs) I don't like anything where you have to like do that dot line thing and you're just using like, the uh, right stick to align yeah one. yeah it just it just feels weird to me but everything else has been super fun even though i don't like i said don't know a lot about this lore it's really gorgeous if you have uh a ps5 uh please check this game out if you don't i believe you can add ps5 games to your library through the app and you'll they'll be there for you when you do get a ps5 eventually whether you're trying to buy one or you're just saving up waiting in on, until it's it's got a bigger library um, yeah, add this to your to your account and give it a shot. It's so weird. Yeah, it's it's some. I was trying to explain it uh, to my girlfriend last night because it, it's one of those things where, as you were saying, it's like these very muscular aliens are involved in essentially an uprising against a corporate overlord. That's also a puzzle platformer slash stealth game. <laughs> With crafting. I mean, I used to play these. I used to play these games when I was a kid. Um, my lasting memory i always enjoyed them my lasting memory was like it was the first game where you could fart on command <laughs> and like and, and i remember you know we would sit down and just be like you know just like making the noise over and over again that's that's where we that's how we got our kicks back in the <laughs> back in the 90s um there were, there were a surprising amount of hear- games back then where you could do that actually like n- more than more than five i would say <laughs> yeah yeah um i'm glad to hear that it's spirit remains intact because everything that you're sort of saying is like oh yeah that's that's what i remember from Mm. from playing all the odd world games yeah there's there's definitely a little bit of trial and error to it for me at least with like the stealth sections like i'll definitely be like oh well i thought that jump would work but it didn't so i'll just do this the next time like luckily the load times aren't bad there there is a thing that i've been enjoying that essentially like collecting and uh finding secret areas and everything is also gamified per level so you earn like bronze silver gold platinum tiers of uh, basically in-game trophies before you you gain out-of-game trophies of like finding all of the secret areas or searching through every uh vase that's in the background of an area for items and stuff so there's there's definitely a lot to keep you going and excuses to get back to it uh if you're enjoying it but yeah it's it's a weird one i didn't expect but i I'm, i'm enjoying it so far too um yeah th- this is what playstation plus is all about for me you know yeah like it's, it's stuff like this you th- it's not just about old games like if you th- throw throw me a game like this that i was apprehensive about spending 70 bucks on because i you know 
I, I this is I would not have played this game otherwise. And so, you know, thumbs up. Yeah, it, 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 especially with like feeling like I had missed the boat on this franchise, which like going into this, this is technically somewhat of a remake of the second game, but also much bigger. And this was supposed to originally be a five part series, but they've started remaking it. So they only got to like part three. It, it, there's a lot going on in Oddworld, but I'm, I'm kind of digging it and I kind of want to keep exploring this world. Um, I, I know, Brian, you had also been talking about um, checking out stuff on Game Pass. Ha- have you started Outriders or have you not been... Yeah, uh, I actually have a uh, Let's Play video going up with uh, Greg Miller from Kind of Funny and Alfredo Diaz from Funhouse, uh, Rooster Teeth, um, where we jumped into like a pretty high, high level um, kind of later game stuff. And that is fun as hell. Like, I'm not a multiplayer shooter guy. Um, I'm actually playing through the campaign single player right now. But uh, man, that that game is super fun with a couple people all juggling different classes and healing each other and stacking all their abilities and stuff like that. The creature design is awesome. Like, I wasn't expecting a lot of the enemy design to be like, so kind of like, I don't know, 90s monster movie. Like, it gets like... They just have a lot of fun with like, like a lot of the alien creature design and the, the gunplay feels great. Yeah, I dig it. Like this is again one of those things I don't think I would have like dropped 70 bucks on it, but um I'm I'm totally having fun with it too. Yeah, that's that's what I'm excited to get into, especially knowing that it's like there there have definitely been a lot of server issues going on with it over the last week. Um, but knowing that it essentially is not like a a live service game where they're like it, it is a complete package right now like you can play through there's a campaign and everything to enjoy so yeah i'm, I'm excited to jump in and see like there's very clearly a wacky sensibility for the the weapons and the powers and stuff so i can't wait to jump into that um on my end i platinumed ratchet and clank which i am more excited for rift apart than ever for sure i really really hope they let you track your progress with uh, trophies in that one because uh, I think most Ratchet and Clank fans know there is a trophy in the PS4 game where you have to make every enemy dance with the the disco weapon essentially, but it doesn't track it for you, so you have no idea which enemies you have made dance or not. So I played through the game three times to make sure I could get, uh, which was <laughs> an experience. Uh, it was one of those things where I was like, I've committed, I'm just gonna do this because at this point, this is the, like the last damn thing. Um, that and like one weapon. Honestly, don't know. I don't know whether to like shake your <laughs> hand or give you a wedgie. Like I, I'm. <laughs> so it's one of those things for me. I think I am. Like, I, I think it's fair to say I'm the the one who is most invested in trophy hunting uh, of this show, but definitely yes. to a point. Like, there are very much things where I will accept, like, it is not worth the time I am putting in. This was sort of a thing where, like, I've collected most of the things. This is a franchise I have absolutely adored. I want a Ratchet and Clank fix, and even though I was just kind of replaying through the same levels... It's just so fun to mess around with those weapons and to make enemies dance before turning them into goats while also having a little Zircon bot tell you how much they enjoy killing these enemies while shooting at them. Like, there's just so much fun silliness going on around me that it was all right to be going through it in that case. But there are definitely games where I'm like, no, I'm not going to put in the 80 hours for this one trophy. I won't do it. It's not worth it. I have my limits. This is this is why I don't mess with this stuff though. It's the same reason I don't like you know smoke cigarettes once a year because I don't have that ability. Like I'll I'll just fall I'll fall in. Like I have it's to keep myself from doing this. I will I'll play I'll play through the game three times making everybody dance. I have that part of my brain that mm-hmm. unlocks yep. and opens and goes. You you're compelled. You must do this. 
So I have yeah. to talk myself out of it. Yeah, I I basically commit. It's kind of like PlayStation first party games because I, especially I think now like over the last couple of years their their trophy lists have gotten reasonable. Like they they very much understand. But if a game has like a, a difficulty setting trophy, if it's like beat the game on normal and hard and crushing and super crushing and the the difficulty that will make you cry, like. I'm not going to do that. That's not worth it for me. That's not fun. But um, that that was. Uh, I'm glad I have it, and I cannot wait for Rift Apart. Uh, I also am continuing to play Sekiro. Uh, I got through uh, Gunfort, I guess it's called. And oh, nice. as as Red has up, uh, I have yet to beat the Guardian Ape. But I spent like three hours on Saturday fighting fighting this damn ape, uh, this damn monkey man. Damn dirty ape. <laughs> and um, when it, it gets to the turn of the boss fight, which I guess spoilers if you're watching the, the video version, uh, you think you've won and you haven't. I have not been able to beat its second phase, but I am just, I'm all in on Sekiro. I just adore it. Um, it's, it's so much fun. I like, I've really been loving this exploration of FromSoft games, but when you, when you realize the tricks they pull off and, and some of this stuff, it like, you, you feel that moment of like, oh, you assholes, you like the, <laughs> yeah. the glee you must have felt in programming this moment. Um, but I'm, I'm really enjoying understanding each boss fight. It is one of those things where I'm also like, I'm, I'm live streaming the whole experience. And luckily the audience has been very kind about not spoiling things. There, there have not really been any uh, mean people in chat who are telling me literally how to do every little bit of the game. Uh, so I've been able to enjoy and experience it like pretty I organically. Feel, uh, I but, feel like the soft audience, like the, the people who play that game, the FromSoft community, I should say, rather, they're a very, like, kind, welcoming bunch. I remember when I did one or two times I've ever streamed in my life, um, I played through Bloodborne and I streamed a bunch of that, and everyone was so generous with their feedback and um, so sort of kind in chat and, like, ready to jump in if I needed to ring my little bell. Um, <laughs> it was a really lovely experience. I'm glad you're having a similar time. I think that audience gets a bad rap for, like, the the get good stuff. Right. Um, that they're, you know, sort of like a bunch of hard-ass gatekeepers that are, you know, telling people that if they suck, they shouldn't bother. But that is like one of the warmest, most connected communities that constantly mm -hmm. deciphering the bizarre, obtuse nonsense in the back end of all of these games and helping people out. Like it, it's, it's really, really cool. It's also yeah. I love I love watching people get their ass kicked by, by <laughs> from some boss. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, so appreciative of, of everyone who who sat and like it literally was like a two and a half three hour stream over the weekend, and it was like I still haven't won. I'm going back to it this weekend. I'm hoping to beat them this time. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that there are absolutely people out there who are who will try to pop in and be like, well, you just need to be better at the game. Why aren't you doing X, Y, and Z? And it's like, all right, all right, hold on. But so many people have come in and be like, do you need help or do you want help? Do you want to figure this out for yourself? Like, we're here if you need us, but let's let you experience this on your own because they know how exciting it is to get to those moments, um, especially when you put yourself through so much crap <laughs> to get there. Uh, so I'm really having a blast with it. Um, I can't wait until we can get back to Bloodborne, but uh, this has definitely been a great fix in the meantime. Uh, but other than that, uh, yeah, I need to get back to Disco, and I've just been uh, popping in and out of things. So we'll, we'll have plenty more to talk about, but it, it feels like the games are starting to come. Like the, the April and May release calendar, I don't think is going to change too much. We have stuff like Returnal and Deathloop coming, uh, a few other games on there as well. Resident Evil is at the beginning of May. Uh, it's 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 going to be an exciting couple of weeks for us to be talking about stuff. I'm 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 looking forward to it. 
Um, before we wrap up, do have a memory card for the week. I was going to read one, but because we had jokes about horror game, uh, horror movies earlier uh, in this episode, someone wrote in as we're recording asking about a haunted game they think they experienced uh, and are essentially okay, asking, asking for calls of whether or not they had a haunted game or probably something else really messed up was happening. Uh, what, so anyway, what kind, of, what kind of dumb ghost would haunt uh, one game? <laughs> just you wait until you find out what game it was too. Uh, John wrote into beyond at IGN.com like you can for our memory card segment. Please write in with the subject line memory card uh, as it helps me find them in my inbox and wrote in and said sometime around 1997 when I was 11 years old, my neighbor friend who was about 14 was playing a video game with me. We were in my living room playing the Die Hard trilogy on PlayStation 1. After two or three hours of gameplay, something weird happened. We heard a creepy woman's voice come from the TV, one that was never heard before or after, and the woman's voice said, I see you and your friend are enjoying the game. This was creepy because the voice sounded out of place for a PlayStation 1 game, a PlayStation 1 game that was single player in a voice that was never heard before or after in that experience. We both stood up without saying anything to one another and ran out of the house. My friend ended up going home and I waited outside until one of my parents came home and they just kind of brushed it, the story aside. <laughs> Have any of you experienced anything weird and also is asking if anyone out there has heard this voice while playing the Die Hard trilogy. That I is bizarre. <laughs> You could not have given me, there was no amount of money, like I would have correctly had guessed the Die Hard trilogy would be the haunted game that this would have been about. No, that is a weird one. Oh my God. That is really genuinely creepy. That's like, I mean, you know, this is sort of like meta, middle gear, solid kind of right? stuff, but that's not what you would expect from the Die Hard trilogy. <laughs> yeah, not not a game I would uh, have thought to experience that from. And so if you've experienced that, please write in and let us know to, to let this reader or listener know they're not alone. Uh, and if they are alone, I feel like especially in the 90s, there were a lot of toys that were like, tune into a radio rave frequency and mess with your friends and family. Maybe this was just someone, like another neighbor being an asshole. I don't know. And Older woman neighbor. Or that too, yeah. <laughs> that's the part that raises a lot of other disturbing problems, if that's what was happening. My, my friends and I used to play Goldeneye on N64 through like a game shark where you could just like load up tons of bizarre codes. Yeah. Um, like outside of the, the weird cheats that were baked into the game that you could unlock. And there were like some bizarre modifiers that you could put on that would essentially turn the entire game into just like, like downshift the pitch like crazy and mess with all the colors. So it'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> like every time you killed somebody, it was so creepy. It was called like Halloween mode or something like that. That's and amazing. it legit felt haunted. Like Pierce Brosnan was running around just like melting. It's awful, awful. So uh, much fun. Uh, I you find more, footage of it. <laughs> I think we've talked about it on the show before. I think when, uh, when I guess Ray was on, but uh, more games should have silly cheats in them. I, yeah. I miss those days. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, John, thank you so much for writing in. We're sorry you had that experience. Uh, to any other viewers and listeners out there, let us know if you have experienced the same thing <laughs> in the Die Hard trilogy on PlayStation 1. Uh, I will also take any other haunted uh, stories because I love creepypasta online. I will happily read any of those stories. So oh my God. Those, yes, let's just turn this show into like my favorite murder, but for video games. <laughs> I would love that if it was my favorite video game 
we'll figure out a better name there's there's got to be something we there's copyright infringement i don't want to get into my favorite murder keep doing what you're doing i'm sure things are going well for you uh, but anyway thank you thank you so much you have a for, favorite murder no one should have a favorite murder i mean there's that yeah there, there's the whole you know uh anyway uh if you have any other haunted stories please write in to beyond at ign.com with the subject line memory card uh whether it's halloween week or not we'll we'll read them or if you have any other stories you want to share please write in uh, and we love sharing them on the show each week thank you to everyone who has written in so far uh but that's pretty much going to wrap us up for this week's episode of podcast beyond uh brian and lucy before we wrap up anything that you've been working on or anything uh on, on the teams that you want to promote uh before we wrap up um Let's see. I've been writing these uh, things you didn't know scripts about like big movies uh, that were, you know, or franchises and stuff like that. I did one on Kong vs. Godzilla, which is super fun. It's just a bunch of like bizarre sort of behind the scenes making of factoids. Uh, and then I just wrote one for the 1995 Mortal Kombat movie in anticipation for the new reboot. Um, and that was super, super fun. A lot of just weird old dirt I dug up about that wonderful, wonderful film. It was great. And we've got some more coming from you in the works as well. That's right. Yes. And uh, um, we, go ahead. I have got a request for recommendations, actually. Um, while I was recovering from surgery, I, uh, I got back into to comics, like, like just casually, um, because it's kind of, it's, it's such, it's so daunting. Like I used to read a lot of comics when I was a kid and then, you know, I went through puberty and, and everything sort of my tastes changed. Um, <laughs> But you know, like I, I, I read the the onslaught series from the old X Men, like ninety six, ninety seven run, I think it was, um, and I enjoyed it. And I'd also forgotten how like how sort of soap opery comics are. Like it's it's really is a story a week. I mean, you know, that the, there there is there's there's carry through and thematic uh, sort of continuity, and obviously there's like an overarching story. But so many of those like single issues are like here's what the x-men are facing today and by the way like this onslaught thing is happening in the background mm -hmm. I, and i i really enjoyed it it's, you know so pulpy um it made me even more impressed with what the mcu has has, has achieved actually uh but yeah like i, I you know x-men was always the comic series that i read as as a kid um so if there's anything else i should should read uh I, the onslaught series again was the one that i read as a kid so you know it's kind of like comfort reading but if, if yeah. there's anything that I, I really should read then then please let me know because um it was really with, enjoyable have you messed with junji ito i have not oh my god you i okay so the next time i see you which is hopefully soon i'm gonna yeah. just give you a stack of books um <laughs> and also the the bloodborne graphic novels because they're they're super fun too uh junji ito has been doing like horror like black and white uh japanese horror comics forever and they're all oh, they're that. all compendium of short stories you've seen his work everywhere it was one of those things where i was just like oh i might like this and i pulled on the thread a little bit and then just fell in and just bought every one of his books i've read all of his stuff now it's phenomenal See, that's that's the kind of recommendation i need like just for context i have read a lot of like the the comics 101 like i've read you know fable and sandman and and mm. and all of those preacher you know read all of those but like i'm i'm interested in things like that like things that are kind of like i might not have read or mm -hmm. yeah um so please of recent stuff and and i also can can give you stuff to borrow if you want recent x-men the the they essentially did a big reboot and some of it's really really good um i i can lend you all of those issues because yes, i haven't, haven't figured out what to do with them but yeah they they started essentially with a two-part like house of x and powers of x that essentially made x-men 
relevant again after Marvel kind of downplayed them for so long. And there's it's it's really dense, <clears throat> excuse me, in some of the lore, but it, there's some really really good cool stuff in there. Um, I can also give you, and this is just a general recommendation. Um, obviously, as a, as a big Spider-Man fan, there was a recent run called the Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, um, yeah. and it's a really good like short run. It's only like twelve or thirteen issues. It's, it's relatively short, but there's one episode in there. Um, I think it and it introduces a new Spider-Man called Spider Bite, uh, and it legitimately is one of the most emotional comics I have ever read. Uh, it like I was crying by the end of it. It's it's really really good and impactful. Uh, even if you don't read the rest of that run, like I'll just give you that issue. It's so good. Uh, I highly recommend it. But um, <clears throat> non superhero, I'm trying to think. Die is really good. It's essentially like a Jumanji D and D series. But even if you're not a big D and D person, it's it's just really really well written and the art's beautiful. Um, that one's really great. But yeah, I'll, I'll think of some more. I also have a ton that I can let you borrow because. Meredith is like, well, we just have all these loose comics. What are we going to do with them? It's like, okay, okay. We Once we all get vaccinated, we're going to have a comic book party where we also hug each other and drink a lot. Yes. I love it. Yes. yes. I love it. I'm into it. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Um, I can't wait for that. But until then, this has been Podcast Beyond episode 695. Thank you so much out there for listening and watching. You can find us not just on IGN.com, beyond.IGN.com, YouTube.com slash IGN Games, which is the new home of Beyond and all our shows on YouTube, as well as your favorite podcast services around the world. Uh, but you can also find us on Twitter. I am at JM Dornbush. Brian is at Agent Bizzle. And Lucy is at Luce O'Brien. Uh, thank you both so much for joining me. This was such a blast of an episode to record. And thank you, as always, to our producer, Red, for making the show happen. And thank you to everyone out there listening and watching. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. Beyond. Beyond.